Welcome to Inside the Rope, the podcast where we speak to the leading minds in wealth management. I'm your host, David Clark, and in today's podcast, I'm speaking with Roger Lloyd, the founder and portfolio manager of the Palisades Private Infrastructure Fund, a fund that invests in private, unlisted infrastructure assets, such as airports and uh, power assets, to provide a defensive investment that aims to produce 7% income with 11% total return. Over the last five years, the fund has in fact returned 10.6% with an income level of 6.4% and 4.2% capital growth. During this conversation, we discuss what the profile of the fund currently is, what the outlook for infrastructure is, and what exactly infrastructure assets are and why they are helpful and why so many clients find them uh, beneficial inside their portfolios. Remember, this podcast isn't advice for anyone specifically to race out and buy infrastructure assets or the Palisades Fund. Uh, I, we encourage you to listen to the disclaimer at the end of the podcast and to seek advice prior to making any investment. Please don't forget to provide uh, feedback, uh, share the podcast with people as you see fit. We encourage that. Uh, and don't forget to send me your feedback at david.clark at codacapital.com. Enjoy the podcast. Roger, welcome to Inside the Rope. Glad to be here. Roger, perhaps we could kick off with you giving me a, a bit of an overview of your work background and, and, and yourself, please. No problems at all. Um, I've been involved in, in infrastructure in, uh, in, in all its facets pretty well my whole working life. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a, a, a long career and it's uh, spanning from you know, current role with Palisade, but prior to that with, um, with Perpetual and Funds Management and prior to that with Macquarie Bank and, and Bankers Trust. So uh, it's you know, in a, a maturing sector, it's been uh, you know, quite, a, quite a, I hate to use the word journey, but it has been quite, a, uh, quite an interesting ride. Um, over the sort of 20, 25 years I've been involved in, in the infrastructure in its many forms. Okay, and tell us about where you are at the moment, your role you're doing, and the strategy we're going to talk about today. Yeah, okay. So I'm the CEO of, uh, of Palisade, and we have been operating now for, for 11 years. And it's been a, a good time to be involved um, after the, the financial crisis, which you know, affected a lot, particularly in, in the infrastructure game. Um, to actually go into into the funds management of the infrastructure with a clean sheet of paper has been a, a you know a, a, a brilliant way to actually uh, ensure that we get it right for for the investor, um, and by that I mean avoiding all the tr the, the pitfalls of, of overgearing and. So what were some of those you said overgearing? But what were some of those tips and traps I guess that you saw and developed both at Perpetual and Macquarie Bank? Yeah. How long were you at Macquarie for? Um, so Macquarie bought Bankers Trust back in '99. Okay. Um, and I'd been at Bankers Trust at that point for five, another another six years odd with Macquarie. It's all up a, a sort of twelve-year tenure with them. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, a fantastic training ground. Macquarie is the you know is the infrastructure, a, a global a global leader in infrastructure. And to have that training ground was just just fantastic. Um, but I think we saw during um, during the lead up to the financial crisis. Uh, there was definitely this massive, um, you know, wall of capital uh, coming in, coming into the market. Oh, very similar to, to what we're experiencing now, in a way, both debt and equity capital. 
Um, and you saw it, you know, with, with a number of the infrastructure players um, using that, that excess capital and gearing, uh, gearing these assets really highly. So that, that, that was one of the... To what, so to what sort of level are you talking about? Really oh, look, it really, it really depended on the sector, but, and, and that's, you know, it's still, still relevant now. You, you gear to, um, to a particular asset and, and security yep. of the cash flow. Um, but, you know, you'd, you'd get some of the, say, PPP, public-private partnership assets, gearing us to 90% plus levels. Yes. You know, very high. Can levels. we back up? It might be, I was just thinking mm. it might be helpful for some of our listeners if you define or provide your definition of infrastructure. Oh, okay. No, no problems at all. Um, because that was one of the things that I was going to get to in terms of pitfalls. Sorry. Okay. Um, the, the definition for us, the infrastructure should be providing, um, providing investors with a, a defensive asset. You know, for, for me, it's, it's an exciting, boring asset class. So does it sit in the, you know, advisors love to pigeonhole things in right growth there. and defensive assets. Yeah. Where do you think it sits? Is it in the defensive basket basket, or is it in the growth basket? It's, it's, it's in the defensive basket. You know, ultimately, we are looking at infrastructure. If you think of infrastructure, it is an essential asset for the community. So by that very nature, it's got to be defensive. It's got to exist. Um, they, they are real assets. Um, so, so it's definitely a defensive, defensive class. And if we look at, at the, you know, the way that we define our philosophy around it, it's ensuring that you've got security of cash flow. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is protect capital, number one, and then produce a long-term sustainable cash flow mm -hmm. from our assets. So if you're getting into these, these assets that have you know, high capex, low opex type um, characteristics, Yes. That means that you've got protection of the capital because you've got the, you, you're, you're getting a return on capital. And it's generally a contracted cash flow. Okay. So you're Long talking term. about roads, airports. R roads aren't, aren't one tollways. of our, uh, tollways aren't something we're interested in. Um, but they're in the infrastructure <coughs> universe. But they're in the infrastructure universe. Um, so just, just let's start maybe defining what the, the infrastructure universe is and isn't. So yeah. toll roads, airports, utilities. Ports. Utilities, um, uh, energy, energy generation and transmission. So power, power yeah. stations. Correct. Um, and by power stations, you know, there, there aren't going to be any more coal-fired power stations financed in this country. Uh, so, you know, renewable generation is, is something we are very heavily involved in. Yes. Um, then you've got the, your social, and those are all sort of economic assets, your airports and ports okay. that rely on the, on, so, on, so on what, the growth. And there's, there's some growth there, obviously. So what assets... In the infrastructure universe, would some other people or other competitors say these are infrastructure assets? Where you'd say no, they're not really infrastructure mm. assets. So I'm just, what are at the edges? Yeah, look, this is a this is a very uh, very current topic at, at the moment because we uh, and back to the back to where are the pitfalls. We're actually seeing a lot of expansion of definition. Yep. Um, so change in style, a bit of slide, a bit more uh, pressure. A bit, bit of slide, a bit of slide, moving up the risk curve a little bit, mm -hmm. moving towards more operational type assets, yep. or more just contractual assets that don't have a real asset backing. And to give you an example, recent uh, recent transactions, privatisations by state governments have involved land registries, right? Okay. And our, our, some of our peers have, have invested into land registries under the infrastructure banner. That's not something that we see. There's no real asset supporting that. It's contracts. It's it's a you know, necessity of people transacting in property. Yes. Right. It's not infrastructure. 
Um, the, there have been, as I say, other things sort of moving up the operational risk curve um, as well, such as there was a recent acquisition of um, uh, sea maritime contracts up in the north of Australia. Um, ultimately, it was, a, it, was a, it was a logistics asset. Okay. Not infrastructure, but, but also... But you're seeing competitors of yours buying these type of assets. Yeah, so it's very important that within infrastructure you stay pure to that thing because what we saw prior to the financial crisis, exactly the same expansion. And People started to get into things like um, smart carts at airports. Okay. Right? Because everybody needs a cart yes. to put their luggage on. But you now find that people have got wheels in their luggage, right? They don't yep. need a smart cart. Yep. But... Smart cuts was one of them. People got into things like telephone directories. Yes, everyone needs a telephone directory, but you may not need the uh, yellow pages on your doorstep because you've now got it in your pocket yeah. on your and phone. And so that, that may well be digitised, but yeah, is that infrastructure? Sure, it's essential, but is it infrastructure? So, so what are the key definitions or attributes that make something infrastructure or not? Uh, for, for us, it's, uh, you're, you're looking at the, the business characteristics and the financial characteristics. And the business characteristics are the, those um, those operational risk uh, elements yes. that, that I talked about before. Once you start introducing more operational risk into these assets, so it moves away definitionally for us is, is one of the key things. Okay, terrific. Um, on the financial, uh, I mentioned high capex, low opex, mm -hmm. high EBITDA margins. So you're actually operating, you're getting more of just return on capital rather than return from operating business. Um, but those are the kind of important things. Long duration um, income streams, right? We are we are buying long term assets here to generate that long term sustainable cash flow. You need um, long duration income streams. Okay. Um, always with a real asset backing, and always under a, a, a sort of fundamental that this is a fundamental asset, an essential asset for the community, for the environment. It's a need, not a want. It's a need. We need ports. We're an island nation. Yes. Right. We need airports. Yes. We're an island nation and we like holidaying. You need um, transport. You need hospitals. We need transport. You, you need, need hospitals. You need utilities. You need utilities. You need gas to be pumped around the, pumped around the country. We need energy. So, so I suppose part of that is in some instances in some economies around the world and historically even in Australia, many of these assets have actually in fact been owned by governments. Yeah, look, historically... And there's probably a debate whether they should sit in the hands of private owners versus in, in the government. I won't get into that debate, David. We it's, don't have any uh, red wine. <laughs> I won't get into that debate. Because, um, you know, is private sector a better owner and operator of, of assets than government? Yeah, I, I say definitely, you know. And, and when you look at things now that government used to own and think, can you really imagine them in still in government hands? You know, Qantas, yeah, CBA, um, Elstra. Sure. sure. You know, you just can't imagine government providing those, you know, those assets and provide, providing that service to the to the community anymore. So tell us, how did Palisades start? So we um, we were managing a, a relatively small fund uh, under the perpetual banner uh, post Mount Macquarie, Mount Macquarie time and. Uh, Perpetual decided to, to exit all non-core business and get back to the, the roots of stocks and bonds. Um, and we had to find a new home. Um, so we set up under, under at that point, under Pinnacle Investment Management. Mm -hmm. um, Pinnacle is a, 
is a entity that that has a minority interest in a number of different um, strategies. Mm -hmm. Infrastructure, obviously, being being ours, um, and the rest is equities and and, and bonds and. Um, real estate, etc. Yeah, it's a group that allows you to get on, run the money, and look after investors, and they'll take care of the infrastructure and the sales and marketing Supporting and position on the back. Yeah. Yep. Um, so for us, it was a, a good home because it provided us with uh, independence. You know, we're, we're independent from from the, the large financial institutions, which can sometimes sway what people do, mm -hmm. and, and we've seen that already with with Westpac's ownership, Hastings, Hastings no longer exists. Mm -hmm. And I think that was largely because of institutional ownership. Um, we don't have a conflicted parent pouring, putting assets, pouring assets down our throat. And, you know, without uh, talking about my alma mater too much, there are instances of, of that. Yeah. Um, Guess what you're buying today? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it, you, you're removed from the conflict parent situation, which, which is good. So independence is really key for us. Uh, we, are, we are managing our business. We are managing our investment processes. We are managing the, the investments that we, that we make out, out of the back of that, ultimately for the, the benefit of the investor. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the fund. So we run, um, we run a number of funds, but the Diversified Infrastructure Fund is what we're providing access to the, to the non-institutional investor. Uh, it is. It's been in existence for a long, for a long time since Perpetual Management two thousand four was was the commencement of that. We we took over management of of that fund in two thousand eight. Um, it is truly a diversified fund, diversified by name, diversified by nature. We've got twenty four assets in there. Um, it invests into the full spectrum of infrastructure that we talked about before. Um, you know, it has it has investments in airports and ports and hospitals and um, gas pipelines and renewable assets, and, and so it goes twenty four assets across the board. Um, it targets what we call mid market infrastructure, so it's not trying to shoot the lights out and invest billion dollars at a time into these large scale privatizations, which have been very highly priced in competitive situations. Mm -hmm. It's targeting mid market, which for us is a very fertile place for investment. So it's a bit too big for private investors typically, um, but it's a bit too small for large institutions um, that have to deploy large amounts of capital. That's that sums it up perfectly. Um, so if we, if we, you know, if we're investing, you know, generally between say one to two hundred million dollars per transaction, mm -hmm. um, it's not something that you know IFM investors are going to get out of. Bed for, mm -hmm. um, uh, but but there is a great supply of assets. You know, we we typically are investing in three to four assets per year. That's that's our target. Mm -hmm. um, um, this year you know, is is going to be a bit more successful than that. It's been a, a fantastic run up to Christmas uh, in the, in that regard. Um, so it's a fertile hunting ground with a lot of assets and a lot less competition. And, and, and what do those twenty four assets look and feel like? Give us a bit of a flavour of the the, the, the portfolio. Yeah, please. Yeah, so we we've adopted a bit of a platform approach because uh, when you get into a sector, any sector, and buying an asset, be it small or large, mm -hmm. uh, involves the same uh, commitment of time and effort and and, and money buying an asset. Uh, so, because we're only investing mid market, the smaller ticket 
assets. And to give you an, a, a real flavor of that, we own um, Sunshine Coast Airport. Okay, so not, the one out the back not, of Marucci door there. Yep. The, the fastest growing airport in it's Australia. It's being expanded, isn't it? Every time I go up there, we've got relatives up there, and there's traffic, and I think they're, are they widening that to make it an international airport? So they can bring tourists in from Asia, is that? Um, th that's in the business plan, but a long way out. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll see what comes. We don't, we don't have we don't have massive um, numbers of of you know Chinese flying into into Maruchidor in our business plan. Okay. Um, but the airport, as it was, was you know the, the, the runway was just too short. You, you, you know, it really wasn't even compliant. Well, it wasn't compliant with with CASA. So we're building a new runway, two point five. Um, kilometers, 2.45 kilometers to be exact, um, that will enable um, number one compliance, but to, to increase frequency of, of flights into the airport. Um, because in the past, people, if they were going to Noosa, for instance, may fly to Brisbane and then drive up the Bruce Highway mm -hmm. because of the, the convenience, the scheduling of flights. If we can get more flights, more people can fly in, more flights will be needed. So when you look at an asset like that, talk mm. me through your due diligence process uh, or the, the investment process and how you go about analysing yes or no on, a, on an asset like Sunshine Coast Airport. Yeah. Look, due diligence is, you know, a lot goes into, into these assets. You're, you know, you're spending, you know, millions of dollars on, on acquisition. Um, so you're looking at, you know, for an airport asset or any sort of demand-based asset like that, you look at, you know, packs, current packs versus you know your your, your demand growth. What's 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 the what's packs growth been over the last 10, 15, 20 years? Mm -hmm. Where can we where can we forecast? How can we actually develop routes so, to, to so, get more people? So to that extent, will you do green fields where, for instance, when you put in the Lane Cove tunnel or the Cross City tunnel, you know, you think it's going to be popular, but much easier to buy that asset once you know the historical numbers of people going through there and yeah. and forecasting up and down. I would imagine. Yeah. So history, so you do history is always your friend. Yeah. Um, particularly on, on pastures based assets, right? Behavior, human behavior, doesn't change quickly in many cases. Yeah, I, you know, toll roads are you know one of those those failures that uh, that we saw pre financial crisis, uh, where people were building an asset to make it attractive to the government, you would you would forecast a, a number of cars going through that. There's a number of cars times toll. Pretty simple, yes. right? Yes. But you don't even have the asset. Um, I want to be sort of careful to not slander people too much, but there was definitely a little bit of rubberiness around demand forecasts and, and, and uh, traffic forecasts to ensure that you can actually get there and win your tender. Yes, right. and, and how competitive... It wasn't around the building, it was around could the, would the cars actually turn up day one. When you're around, <coughs> when, when you're looking at something like the Sunshine Coast hmm. Airport, uh, how long is your due diligence process normally? Oh, that is a, that's a, that's, that's a huge variable depending on the asset, right? Um, Are we some, talking months here? Oh yeah, we're talking months. Okay. We're definitely talking months. You, uh, Three to six months typically sound about right. Yeah, look, you're not doing anything like that, a, you know, a, a relatively complex asset in less than three months. And how and how competitive is that process? How many other people would you be competing against we've been, typically? Yeah, we've, we've been very fortunate. You know, we are the incumbent in mid-market, you know, I think without a doubt, and we've got a very good place in, 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 in that market. We've been very fortunate to 
do a number of our transactions on a bilateral basis with a vendor. Um, it's difficult with an airport, obviously. Um, <coughs> excuse me, that said, we've just been selected as the preferred to go through an exclusive process on the latest airport privatisation, which I won't mention at this stage. Okay. Um, but there's a, a thing, airport for sale, you'd think, you know, everybody go for it. We've been targeting these, these smaller regional airports. Um, you know, Sunshine Coast being the one. We also own Darwin, we own Alice Springs in the portfolio. Um, we, we, we now don't have competition. The competition has gone away. Sure. Um, and, 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 and I'd say, you know, 70, 75% of our assets we've actually acquired in that manner. And what are some of the other assets that you've got <coughs> that are a little diversified around airports? Because I'd imagine airports are the one area that are economically sensitive. People will stop going on holidays to Noosa mm -hmm. and using the Sunshine Coast Airport if there's a big downturn or there's a big recession. But mm -hmm. are there other assets such as uh, water or power that, that are in that portfolio that give um, some diversification? Absolutely. Um, and, and to your point around, around airports, they are generally deep GDP plus okay. type assets, right? Mm -hmm. So they are definitely linked to the economy. Um, and, you know, we're quite fortunate at the moment that um, the exchange rate being what it is, people yes. aren't going internationally, they're staying domestic, right? Yep. So that, that helps us. But put that aside, how do we diversify away from that? If you look at, at infrastructure, how your income can be determined, you can have your economic assets that we've talked about, such as your airports and ports. Yes. Uh, you can have contracted uh, revenue streams or you can have regulated re revenue streams. So these are your poles and wires, and everybody is aware of the poles and wires that were sold in, in New South Wales uh, recently. Those are regulated assets where the government actually determines what your return is going to be. We don't like regulation, per se. It, um, a, a government at whim or, or a policy or you know, uh, determining your revenue when you've got a fixed cost base is a pretty dangerous place to be. Um, so we like contracted revenue streams. And to give you examples of that, in the renewable space, which we're uh, involved quite heavily in through our renewable energy fund, um, we are investing in solar plants, wind farms, etc. The revenue stream is coming from long-term power purchase agreements with the likes of Energy Australia, Origin, AGL, the people, the household names, mm -hmm. uh, investment grade credit, long-term contracts, out in some cases to our most recent acquisition, which we are looking forward to closing next week, um, is a wind farm origin offtake until 2035. So yeah, the risks a, there are not that it doesn't blow, or the risks are that the price of the power, um, what are the variables in that that keep you awake at night? When you ring back after being on holidays and you want to know how that asset's performing, what's the key question you're I asking? don't have to wait till I come back from holidays because I can actually get my pocket mem out. Yes. National, national oh. energy market and see yes. how, how the, the asset's performing, right? Ultimately, our risk on, on an asset like that is, is the turbines turning, right, yes. to generate energy. So it's the wind? It's the wind. Okay. Now, the wind tends to blow okay. fairly consistently. It's seasonal. We know that. You know, winter winds are less than summer winds mm -hmm. um, in South Australia, but it'll be different in Tasmania where we also have a wind farm. Mm -hmm. and, it'll, and then you diversify that further, by relying on sunshine for, for solar farms, right? We've got a, a, a large plant up in up in Townsville that we've um, we built and have been operating now for for just over a year, uh, and that reliance on the sunshine in Townsville. 
you generally know what's going to happen with the sun. Mm -hmm. It'll come up in the morning and go down at night. And your panels will collect that. So generation is, is, is a, a risk that we have in, in that asset, um, in those assets. Um, but your revenue stream is contracted out. As long as you're generating, you, have, you don't have price risk because you've contracted that, that out in the majority. Roger, how, how would you compare and contrast an unlisted uh, or a private infrastructure diversified fund like this to a public infrastructure mm. fund? Um, you know, some of the larger ones that you'll see like Magellan and Macquarie, mm, mm, mm. Uh, where they're holding um, publicly traded mm. um, uh, infrastructure assets. Mm. How would you compare and contrast compare and contrast those sort of assets and encourage our listeners to think about the pros and cons of each of those? Mm. Look, probably one of the keys is around volatility. Um, the, the listed infrastructure uh, assets are obviously a lot more closely correlated with the equities market than, than our assets. Yeah, this is a key point. I, I, I really love this behaviour for investors in that, you know, you see a GFC and you see the listed toll road, you know, uh, trade down 15, 20%. And then it's like a couple of months later, the market realises, well, people have 15 to 20% less people haven't been driving down that toll road because the markets came off. And they say, well, that income stream is still coming through. It's still worth exactly what it was. In fact, it's actually worth a little bit more because they've just put a CPI increase through and these things just keep yeah, going. Yeah. Is that the main difference you see? And I guess that, that, that's it. It's correlation with the market, right? What we're talking about with unlisted infrastructure or any unlisted assets is the fact that you yep. are generally uh, minimising that correlation. Yeah, and the con that comes with that, the trade-off that comes with that, is that you can't trade out that position or the lack of liquidity you've got uh, in, in a fund where you've got illiquid assets, you, you can't ring up and say, you know, you can't sell an airport Mrs. Overnight. Jones wants to sell her $500,000 in Sunshine Airport. Can we just carve off that corner in the side there, right? So, so what is, for an investor looking at this fund, what, what is the, the liquidity? What's the liquidity profile? We're, we're fortunate with the diversified fund in that we have, uh, you know, to date our, our investors have been the large institutional market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got, you know, pedigree names, superannuation funds. Now each of them has into the diversified fund invested on average $90 million. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a huge amount of liquidity um, within those funds, huge amount. You know, they're, they're fast growing, they're seeking to deploy capital all the time. What that means is because of that, there's a, there's a, a, a good demand, always a good demand for the kind of called secondary units in, in the fund. And then we've provided that liquidity with, within that institutional market over, over, over our life to the tune of around about $300 million. People, for whatever reason, strategic asset allocations change or... New CFO. New CFO merge. Generally not new CFO because people see what's been happening. Um, but, you know, big funds merging and suddenly it's not relevant or whatever it may be. Um, we, we've been able to provide them with liquidity out of the fund by simply giving their capital, selling their capital at NAV. You, know, it's, it, you generally don't need a, a discount to NAV um, to people who want to get in, and there are a lot of them. Mm. 
So and a whole so so yeah, it's, it's under demand. This type of asset at the moment is interest rates. Mm. Uh, you know, got ones in front of them for most people's term deposits. Uh, the thirst for yield is is very strong. What what has the historical performance of the fund been, Roger? Very strong. Uh, so I'm looking at that was clear over over sort of. I'm not too sure. Talking about ten percent over five years. Um, yeah, on a on a on a net basis. Yeah, you know, I. Having been in Instaland, we th we think we think gross terms. We've got to think about the the underlying assets. Right? Yes, the, these are these are assets that are producing producing income. We've got a, a very simple mantra within Palisade, and that's yes. seven eleven. Yeah, easy right. to. Uh, what that means is we want to from an asset to uh, generate seven percent yield. Yes, with eleven percent total return, and okay. we can get that from a diversified portfolio. So we're going to be overs and unders. There's going to be some more growth in an airport asset than a. PPP, for instance, mm -hmm. but from the portfolio, we want to ger generate seven eleven on a gross basis, um, and we've managed to achieve that over over the over the, the ten years that we've been investing. Terrific, Roger. I think that's a, a fantastic way uh, to to complete the uh, podcast. Thank you very much for your time. It's been uh, fantastic, enlightening. I'm sure a lot of people have learned a lot. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, and I'm happy to join you again. Thank you for listening to Inside the Rope with David Clark. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with David by visiting codacapital.com. Any views expressed in this recording represent the personal opinions of the speaker and do not represent the view of any other party. If this recording contains reference to any financial products, that reference does not constitute advice or recommendation and may not be relied upon. Listeners in Australia are encouraged to visit www.moneysmart.gov.au to obtain information regarding financial advice and investments.